Welcome back to Mark Madness. Yeah. Doing it. Again. And as it's tradition again, every other week you get an episode where we don't uh, we don't bullshit up top and we just launch. Thus, yeah. Congress followed Charles Sumner's state <laughs> suicide theory and formulated reconstruction measures which regarded the seceding states as territories and administered them as such by civil government until they were readmitted. I know we read that last week. This is this is a lead-in, guys. This is a blend. This is this is you know f- refreshing those of you that were gone and took a week off. And, and for the rest of you, just skip forward 10 seconds. You're fine. Uh, the bill did not differ radically from the president's plan. It was quite as liberal. Except for the percentage. Well, you know, all right. Some of us want 10%. Some of us want 50. All right. You know, it's quibbling, <laughs> David. Why do you have to be such a negative Nancy about it? It was quite as liberal to the Confederates and wiser in requiring a majority of voters instead of only one-tenth for Reconstruction. Just the subtle, again, a Harvard man. He knows how to, he knows how to dig you good. I love how this was the intersection of humor, just a good, good Du Bois dig, and Du Bois doing what he's done throughout this book is saying something we said better one sentence later and we should have just <laughs> shut up and let him say it. <laughs> lesson learned never try it out think the harvard man uh, we never learned that lesson we, we, come we, on absolutely we've read marx lenin fanon and du bois if we have not learned it at this point we will literally <laughs> never learn it <sighs> it was more methodical and complete because Lincoln had been leaving the matter vague until he could get sense more clearly the possibility. Wait a minute. Lincoln wouldn't commit to something until he knew exactly what the outcome would be. Hmm. Where have I heard that before? Oh, everything. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln doesn't take a shit unless he is convinced that every member of his household is in favor of it. Fuck you, Lincoln. Both the closer for the uh, Kansas City Royals during the World Series runway Davis plan and the Lincoln plan excluded the Negro from the right of suffrage. Because why not? In the House, there was a motion to strike out the word white. Good work, House. But this was cut off by the previous question. Boutwell regretted May 4th that this limitation of the right to vote seemed required by the present judgment of the House and of the country. When the bill came to the Senate July 1st, Wade, as chairman, reported it to the committee with an amendment striking out the word white. Thank you, Wade. This mm-hmm. amendment received only five votes. Damn. Ooh, Including that one. of Charles Sumner. I mean, obviously Sumner's coming along for the ride. So you yeah. Got, yeah. Got four votes that weren't Sumner. Jesus. Sumner, however, finally voted for the bill because of provision uh, because of its provisions against slavery. He had already introduced May 27th, 1864, another resolution anticipating the Committee of 15 in the 39th Congress and declaring that no representatives from the Confederate state should be admitted without a vote of both houses. Lincoln, however, became more and more obdurate. I'm assuming obdurate means a wishy-washy bitch. That's exactly where my brain went. I was just like, we're going to context clue that word. We're going to use our context clues and assume that that means he couldn't make a decision because he's Abraham goddamn Lincoln. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Wait. Or does it mean he stuck his foot in the ground and became obstinate? Is it obstinate but differently spelled? Stubbornly persistent in wrongdoing. He doubled down. He doubled down on being wrong. Obdurate. 
a word we should all work into our vocabularies. Obdurate. <laughs> you obdurate prick. Shut up. Thank you. Because they don't know whether to be offended or not. It confuses them. And then you double leg sweep and take them down. He wrote some single mind. Uh, oh, no. Like, yeah. Some single mind must be master. Oh, no. I wasn't confused about the spacing i was confused because it's the dumbest fucking sentence in the history of time <laughs> never mind i'm a god uh, f- silly me i expected lincoln to say something not dumb some see we never do learn anything really we don't it's happened so much in this book because it's like it is literally like double take like spit taking the dumbest sentence you've read but just having to do that over and over and over again <laughs> because you made poor life decisions um, if Twitter existed in Lincoln's time, he would be the Twitter villain every day, every day, every day. And he wished strongly to carry through reconstruction without too much interference. <laughs> yeah. When the Wade Davis bill came to the president, July 4th, 1864, I do love the concept that they are working on the 4th of July. That is a mind. That's a mind boggling concept that anyone yeah. doing anything on that day. Um, because people just seem obsessed with not doing things. Uh, he laid it aside and refused to sign it. You know, the one thing you should do, Linko. The one thing. Explaining his decision July 8th in a proclamation. I wonder if this will be as good as his last proclamation. <laughs> While I am, as I was in December last, when by proclamation I propounded a plan of restoration. Unpro- oh my God, shut the fuck up, Lincoln. What the hell is that sentence? By formal approval of this bill to be inflexibly committed to any single plan of restoration. All right, let's do some recap here. Back in December, I made a broad, vague statement. I really didn't want to be pinned down to doing anything. I just really wanted to make a big, broad platitude. And now they're now they're giving me these like concrete plans for how to do stuff, and I don't want to commit to this. Hi, my name's Barack Obama. Oh, Abraham Lincoln. I'm sorry, I got confused for a second. I, I appreciate the accuracy, but Lincoln just made the longest sentence out of nothing, and you came back with the economy of language of every the same number of words, every bit as long. I wasn't on, trying man. to summarize it; I was trying to decode it. <laughs> Ouija board that shit. Basically, Let's go. yes. He might as well just be putting wingdings in here at this rate for he's saying it's, nothing is getting communicated. Um, while I'm also unprepared to declare that the free state constitutions and governors already adopted and installed in Arkansas and Louisiana, bastions of freedom, shall be set aside and held for naught, thereby repealing and discouraging the loyal citizens who have set up the same as to further effort or to declare a constitutional competency in Congress to abolish slavery in states. No periods, but am at the same time sincerely hoping and expecting that a constitutional amendment abolishing slavery throughout the nation may be adopted. Nevertheless, still, no, periods. I am fully satisfied with the system for restoration contained in the bill as one very proper for the loyal people of any state choosing to adopt it. That's another semicolon, still, no, periods. And I am, and at all times, shall be prepared to give to their, oh, oh to, to give, oh, no, no, don't start that over. Keep fucking I lost, going. I, I lo- the executive aid Thank you. I can't, and assistance. I, I, got, I literally went blind with rage. Go, David. 
the executive aid and assistance to any such people so soon as military resistance to the United States shall have been suppressed in any such state and the people thereof have su- sufficiently returned to their obedience to the Constitution by the laws of the United States in which the cases military governors will be appointed with directions to proceed accordingly to the bill. There's the period. It finally came. You may have been confused because technically there hasn't been one for a page. Um, Abraham Lincoln, unable to write, yeah. unable to make decisions. That, Bad By the way, that's just the boys cutting it off. I guarantee you, like it was followed up with like, and in obedience to the peoples of the states of the United States of America in America, who the people uh, unbelievably. Uh, it was I just, so, I it is such a word vomb. Didn't everyone talk about? Oh, the emancipation. He just he got. You could set an egg timer too. He just got out there and he set it. There was oh he didn't he didn't add any extraneous fluff in there. He just went and did it. Or maybe that's the Gettysburg Address. I don't. It's some the fucking speech only, of Lincoln. The only words Lincoln has ever spoken that anybody fucking knows is him taking the words 47 years and stretching it to seven words. This is absolutely in character. I thought it was anything as a dildo if you're brave enough. And I assumed (laughs) that was the one he was more famous for. He would never be that concise. Ah... But you can still attribute it to him and know he would. He would be like, I do believe based on observations of sexualities (laughs) of the people. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. I hate you. If there is one thing this book and it's been good for an enormous number of things, it is quite possibly the best 160 pages of anything I've ever read ever. Um, this book has so concisely boiled down my hatred for Abraham Lincoln to a fine distilled concentrate that, oh, oh from the grave, Dr. Du Bois, just uh, so much. I just so much I can't believe there's an actual term stolen valor out there, which I'm pretty sure has laws behind it. And it's not solely targeted at Abraham Lincoln and his bullshit. <laughs> Again, all you have to do to be enshrined in history as a pretty good president, or at least here, here's what I will say: the only thing you have <laughs> is to do preside over other people doing shit that you don't want to take credit for. The only thing you have to do to get considered a tier above where you should be in a standard lib brain perspective is get shot. If you it's- get murked, you go up a notch. Period. Now, Kennedy and Lincoln <laughs> we did discuss go up Kennedy, a notch. Yes. Garfield, whatever his fuck is, the one that was president before Garfield that got shot by what's-his-nuts, that guy just raises a one level above obscurity because no one cared about him. Um, yeah, yeah. otherwise he'd, he'd be like Polk and no one exactly. fucking no, knows. Exactly, and no one gives uh, a shit about Polk except my kid. Yeah, um, but I... <laughs> I do also like that there's almost a getting shot transitive property that went from Kennedy to Lyndon B. Johnson getting credit for the shit MLK did. Just fucking goddamn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, the difference is, is nobody gives Andrew Johnson credit for anything. I cannot wait for this to be a realization of Andrew Johnson was actually a hollow shell of a man who had no opinions, but he got pinned with all of Abraham Lincoln's shitty policies and somehow is like the scapegoat of history where he took the fall. Oh, my God, you Andrew Johnson, you asshole. You wanted only 10 percent of people to let back into the unit. Man, it was just on the desk. I wasn't I was a vice president. I didn't mean to do anything. I do love that because Andrew Johnson does suck, but like every bit of sucking is just the fact that he really was. He replaced Lincoln with Lincoln. Yes. 
It was just garbage. <laughs> but it's just everybody thinks the garbage that came before him was like the like transcendent god king of presidents. And no, just no. It's the new replacement closer that comes in with a three run lead and gets the save after giving up two runs and solves all your problems. Speaking of replacement closers, Senator Wade and Representative Davis. That's what Wade Davis calls his left and right hands. Yeah, this is Senator Wade, this is Representative Davis. I'm throwing 89 miles an hour. Let's go. Uh, took their contentions to the country in the summer of 1864. We have read without surprise, but not without indignation. That is the subtitle of this book. Without surprise, but not without indignation. That is to put that on my fucking grave if I die reading this book. The proclamation of the president of the 8th of July, 1864. The supporters of the administration are responsible to the country for its conduct, and it is their right and duty to check the encroachments of the executive on the authority of Congress and to require it to confine itself to its proper sphere. Checks and balances, Linko. Get oh, yeah. Somebody call me an 1864 RBG to put you in line. They denounced Lincoln's Reconstruction Plan and emphasized the distinction between executive and legislative power in Reconstruction. Despite the manifesto, eh, that's what she did there, and opposition on other grounds, Lincoln was reelected. We, I mean, duh. But the issue remained <laughs> yeah. to be fought out between Congress and Johnson. Again, in his message of uh, December 1864, Lincoln returned even more emphatically to the matter of the freedom of the slaves. One cannot be in much doubt as to what Abraham Lincoln's reaction would have been to the black codes of South Carolina and Mississippi. Certainly no state with such laws concerning the black laborer would have been admitted to the Union with Abraham Lincoln's consent. I will contest that point, Dr. Du Bois. Yeah. Hevel, the objection from the Missouri delegation. While I remain in my present position, I shall not attempt to retract or modify the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, he's getting more he's getting more adamant about not going back on that one now. <laughs> Nor shall I return to slavery any person who was free by the terms of that proclamation or by at the acts of Congress. If the people should, by whatever mode or means, make it an executive duty to re-enslave such persons, another and not I must be their instrument to perform it. Okay, I get that you italicize that's like make it an emphasis, like, yeah, somebody. Linko could have got voted out of office like two years later. He was not closing the door on this. He's just like, man, I ain't going to do it. But like if Johnson over here does it, like I can't stop him. Come on. I, that's basically saying, dude, come shoot me in a theater. Like that's that's pretty <laughs> that well. Letter that letter might as well have been written directly to John Wilkes Booth. Like I am sick of Mary Todd and this. Like there's so, there's nothing in there that makes any sense. Like just if if it shouldn't happen, just encode it, call it a thing. You have that power. <sighs> the Trumbull revolution resolution, man. Oh, I was excited for a revolution um, of February eighteenth, eighteen sixty five, recognizing the restored Louisiana government revealed a disposition in the Senate to yield to Lincoln, mm -hmm. but the rising abolition democracy protested. Wendell Phillips spoke in Fenuel Hall. Gentlemen, you know very well what this nation called four million of Negroes into that this nation called four million of Negroes into citizenship to save itself. 
there's a parenthesis for applause here. So, David, clap. Yeah. Clap, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It never called them for their own sakes. It called them to save itself. Here, here, here. Okay, good. Reading the stage direction. And today, this resolution (laughs) offered in Faneuil Hall would take from the president of such a nation the power to protect the millions you have just lifted into danger. Sit down. Play it out. (laughs) Play it out and sit down. You won't let him protect them. No! What more contemptible object than a nation which, for its own selfish purpose, summons four millions of Negroes to such a position of peril and then leaves them defenseless? This has been Masterpiece Theater. Bow. (laughs) I'll I'll find a way to put a drop in there. Oh, my God. Why would you put the stage direction in here, Du Bois? What are you doing? But that is an insane. I was just waiting. I was waiting for parentheses about adjusting the lighting and moving the props more towards the center. Seriously, I wanted a spotlight call out in there. It felt like it needed it. But that is um, that is an insane speech. That is an insane yeah. speech. I mean, it, it is, and it's not necessarily, there's a lot of parts of it that aren't necessarily wrong. The, the, you know that this nation is called 4 million Negroes into citizenship to save itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hundred percent accurate. It was not done for their own good. It was specifically mm-hmm. done because Lincoln didn't think he could win the war without them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was done out of pure self-preservation, and then they would not, once that was done, they would not give them the protections needed to ensure that there wasn't gross abuses, um, uh, KKK, all that other fun shit that's about to pop off here. I have a distinct feeling if I understand history. But Nathan, they, they, can't be, they can't be authoritarian. This is the land of freedom. No, this is freedom. Fucking bullshit is what it is. Thank you, David. In the Senate, Sumner was adamant in his demand that all men, irrespective of color, should be equal as citizens in the reconstructed states. He believed that the first false step in this matter would be would be fatal. The debate began February 23rd, 1865, and Sumner fought every step. He moved a substitute, which received only eight votes. He tried to displace the resolution and filibustered. When asked to give up, he replied, that is not my habit. I'm Sumner's- sorry. I get. Yes, he's a white dude. Reconstruction America. He's not John Brown. So he's probably not great. No, it I mean, he has so- the, the let's please exploit them or, or yes, send them to the Caribbean yes, yes, dude. Yes, yes, I know. But, but it's so hard but- not to root for Charles. You need at least someone. Oh, I know. He's the only story. one that. He's the only one out of the Senate that gives a shit about black people's humanity, even if he really wants to exploit them. And he gives a huge shit, and it's good. And he does not he gives, good. He gives a huge shit, but zero fucks. He's just like, yes. fuck you. You will not stop yes. me. I will make this miserable for you every step of the way. My name will be in history as being at least trying to do the right thing here. Charles Sumner. Yeah, no, I mean, these these moments of like, I won't give up, I'm not going to stop filibustering until you call these people equal humans, like that's, you know, he, obviously, this is how bad American politic- politics have always been, <laughs> Sumner is, is not exactly someone to look upon as a shining light, and yet, moments of that is about as heroic as American politics have ever This gotten. is what my great-great-grandchildren yeah. will say about Bernie Sanders, isn't it? It's going to be about the same thing. It's going to be the same goddamn thing. Well, no, he was a fucking war hawk, and he kind of had no spine when it actually mattered. Uh, 
But damn it, every once <laughs> in a while, he actually talked about people right needing health care. Yeah. yeah, he would he would stand up for people and didn't give a shit about who hurt him, and then yeah, he'd do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. Charles Sumner is just 1860s Bernie Sanders. I I know. There we go. I am now only. By the way, this is important because for the rest of this time, I will be imagining everything Charles Sumner reads in uh, a New York <laughs> Jewish Bernie Sanders accent. Um, so that just ex- when asked to give up, he replied, "That is not my habit." There we are. Okay. <laughs> this is how. All right. So again, for the stage direction, we are casting Charles Sumner uh, as Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Sumner sent in a second substitute declaring that the cause of human rights and of the union needed needed the ballots, as well as the muskets of colored men. He offered I, I like that. Yes. Uh, he offered another amendment imposing equal suffrage as the fundamental condition for the admission of the seceded states. Yes. A night session was called, which lasted until nearly Sunday morning. Sumner was rebuked for his arrogance and assumed superiority, and the Senate finally adjourned. Half an hour before midnight, only five days of the session remained. Wade now entered the debate and denounced the Louisiana government as a mockery and compared it to the LeCompton Constitution of Kansas. I'm assuming it's from Did Kansas, about so that? it's just not good. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say I don't I don't remember that. I thought Kansas came in as a free state, but I, again, I know it's little Kansas, about Kansas. You know? I mean, that was, except it's not. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, I know it was. I know it was like push off the indigenous people, and that was. I can't think of the the um, going out there and, and colonial driving and estating. What you call it? Um, where you go out and you you, you start your your the Oklahoma the Sooners the free, the land grabs the yeah I forget what it's called I don't know but anyway the, boomers, like going out there and. Going out there and getting your, you know, so yeah, I mean, Kansas has got some checkered history. Wait a minute. There um, is a name for it. What is it? Is it the I know. Sooners? I can't think of the word. What is it? No, it's, no. It's not the group of people. Not like Sooners 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something-ing, like uh, uh, frontiering or something along those lines. I can't remember. Uh, There's a word. Anyway. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No, I lose. Keep going. Okay. So anyway. Uh, Sumner again bitterly arraigned the proposed Louisiana state government as a more as a mere seven months abortion begotten by the bayonet in criminal conjunction with the spirit of caste and born before its time rickety unformed unfinished whose continued existence will be a burden a reproach and a wrong the bill finally failed it was Sumner's greatest parliamentary uh, contest and with his triumph the cause of the Negro suffrage was won. Wendell Phillips, Frederick Douglass, Parker Pillsbury, and others wrote to congratulate Sumner. Douglass said, the friends of freedom all over the country had looked to you and confided in you of all men in the United States Senate during all this terrible war. They will look to you all the more now that peace dawns and the final settlement of our national troubles is at hand. God grant you the strength equal to your day and your duties is my prayer and that of millions. Damn. Ashley's now we got new Ashley. We got a whole new new person yeah, coming right. in. Uh, Ashley's reconstruction bill came before the House of Representatives January 16th, February 21st, and February 27th, 1865. You could put a bill up three different times? You can put a bill um, up as many times each, as you want. Oh, I guess because they're going to like redraft different sessions it. Of you, okay, yeah, different sessions and if you, you change the bill at all. Okay. Yep. Uh, each draft confined suffrage to white male citizens except one, which colored soldiers were admitted to the suffrage. Ashley opposed this discrimination, but his committee overruled him. 
In his last public speech, April 11, 1865, Lincoln returned to the subject of Reconstruction. The new constitution of Louisiana, declaring emancipation for the whole state, practically applies the, the proclamation to the part previously accepted. Would you stop the alliteration? Thing? <laughs> he he uh, can't. It, he knows not how. <laughs> it does not adopt apprenticeship of for freed people, and it is silent as it could not well be otherwise, should the admission of members to Congress, so that, as it applies to Louisiana, every member of the cabinet fully approved the plan, the message went to Congress, and I received many comm- commendations of the plan, written and verbal, and not a single objection to it from any professed emancipationist came to my knowledge until after the news reached Washington that the people of Louisiana had begun to move in accordance with it. From about July 1st, 1862, I had corresponded with a different person supposed to be interested in seeking reconstruction of a state government for Louisiana. When the message of 1863, with the plan before mentioned, reached New Orleans, General Banks wrote me that he was confident that the people, with his military cooperation, would reconstruct substantially on that plan. I wrote to him, and some of them try it. They tried it, and the result is known. Such only has been my agency setting up the Louisiana government. We all agree that the seceded states, so-called, are out of their proper practical relation with the Union, and that the sole object of the government, civil and military, in regards to those states, is to again get them into that proper practical relation. I believe that it is not only possible, but in fact easier to do this without deciding on or even considering whether these states have ever been out of the Union than with it. God damn it, we can stop being ch- chicken shit. Yeah, well, uh, it's, hard. it's hard not to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's his nature. It's what he does. It's, what it, what was Sumner's quote there? It is not in my habit. It is not Lincoln's uh, habit. Uh, <laughs> uh, finding themselves safely at home, it would be utterly immaterial whether they had ever been abroad. Let us all join in doing the acts necessary to restoring the proper practical relations between these states and the Union. Each forever, after innocently indulging his own opinion, whether in doing the acts brought the states from without to the Union or only gave them proper assistance than ever having been out of it. The amount of constituency, so to speak, on which the new Louisiana government rests would be more satisfactory if it all contained 50,000 or 30,000 or even 20,000 instead of only about 12,000 as it does. It is only unsatisfactory to some that the selective franchise not given to the colored men would may prefer myself than it were now very intelligent and those who serve your cause as soldiers. That giant fucking mess of word salad (laughs) basically came to, you know, it'd be better if some black people voted than if none voted. So stop demanding all of them vote. Also, I think homesteading is the word you were thinking of. Homesteading. That is exactly the word I was thinking of. A little bit of digging, but we got there. God damn. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Still. <laughs> Continuing. The question Bullshit from is Lincoln. not whether the Louisiana government as it stands is quite all that is desirable. The question is, will it be wiser to take it as it is and help to improve it or to reject and disperse it? Can Louisiana be brought into proper practical relation with the union sooner by sustaining or by discarding her new state government? This sounds a fuckload like accelerationism. <laughs> yeah. Also, proper practical relations of people and persons in the perpetual state of unionhood. Yeah, he loves he loves the alliteration, but this whole thing <laughs> feels very, very remis- uh, reminiscent of of our modern. Well, 
Mm-hmm. Do we take it as it is and do mild, small improvements over time, or you know, do we bring them into the fold and try and cater to them while they while they learn their way along, or is it better to demand a hard line and if they don't want in, fuck them and they'll figure it out or they'll die. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the discourse that goes on nowadays is contained in this in this question. Um, mm-hmm. Some twelve. 12- thousand voters in the heretofore slave state of Louisiana have sworn allegiance to the Union, assumed the rightful political power of the state, held elections, organized state government, adopted a free state constitution, giving the benefit of public schools equally to black and white in the 1860s? Are you kidding me? I feel like that happened in the 1960s. <laughs> Holy shit. And empowered the legislature to confer the elective franchise upon the colored man. Their legislature has already voted to ratify the constitutional amendment recently passed by Congress, abolishing slavery throughout the nation. These 12,000 persons are thus fully committed to the union and to perpetual freedom in the state, committed to the very things and nearly all the things the nation wants. And they ask the nation's recognition and its assistance to make good their committal. No, if, yeah. Also, I know yeah. we're mid multiple paragraph no. Lincoln quote here, but you were saying like in the 1860s about those equal schools. I, I would like to point out this is still America um, so that like equal is, you know, heavy air quotes. It's legally equal. And maybe it was back then. You know, I don't know when they divided up the laws to make school funding municipal based on property taxes. Um, but there's always this implied like no guarantee of actual equality, like technical equality. We won't, we won't by law make it unequal. Um, and then of course today we know that applies where they're, they're technically equal, but oh my goodness, they're funded by municipal local sales tax. And so like, you know, rich white suburbia has got the best schools and poor segregated black neighborhoods are, are basically, you know, underfunded prisons that are, are always on the brink of closing from too low standardized test scores. So. No, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. No, but but that no, that's very good. Again, calling calling anything equal was uh, definitely a bit of facetious stretch on my part, but yeah, wild. Yeah, but I mean, maybe, maybe it was back it, then, and that the notion of it started in Louisiana of all places, a yeah. place that is widely considered to be heavily discriminatory. Um. Oh yeah. But again, you know, I mean, maybe it even was back then. And because these are also things, you know, and this is a problem with reformism. You give it to, to people and then the ruling class just chips away at it. Maybe it was back then. And these are things that have changed over time because you got to remember in between there was Jim Crow. And that, that explicitly made things unequal, um, you know, and, and yada, yada down the line. And, and I don't know when the way schools are funded changed. Um, if it was poison pill municipal from the beginning, or if it was, you know, something that changed in like 1970, I, I don't know the history of school funding that well. I got a distinct feeling that a lot of it was not funded at all until far more recently than we're comfortable with. Um, now, if we reject and spurn them, we do our utmost to disorganize and disperse them. We, in effect, say to the white man, you are worthless or worse. I mean, if we could say that to the to white people every now and again, I think it would just be good overall. Um, yeah, might might be a little healthy. I think, yeah, I think we just at least once or twice a year, just all the white people line up, and we're 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 going to tell you you're worthless or worse. Um, 
We will neither help you nor be helped by you. To the blacks, we say, this cup of liberty, which these, your old masters, hold to your lips, we will dash from you and leave you to the chances of gathering the spilled and scattered contents in some vague and undefined when, where, and how. Lincoln. Lincoln. Abraham. A. Linko. Linko. Is making the analogy that somehow... The, the 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 planters, the antebellum planters, the people we've spent the entire first half of this book uh, uh, making out exactly how depraved and indifferent to human life they are. Mm-hmm. Lincoln is casting them as holding the cup of liberty to yes. their slaves' lips. Yes, yes. Out of what reason, Bestowed upon them, we give you this liberty. Because, I mean, never mind the obvious grotesque white supremacy involved in that. Uh, it's an idealist um, philosophy, this, this whole, you know, liberalism and, and bourgeoisie. And so it has to be an idea. And that idea of liberty was finally pounded into the planters' heads. And now now they bestow it upon the slaves. And that's how you get freedom. That's how you get your freedoms. It's, it's given to you by the enlightened. And this idea that... We will we're, we're they're trying to give you freedom and we're going to take it away again. Subtext. We're going to take it away because a bunch of racists won't agree to give you full equality. And we're going to keep fighting for that until we get it as opposed to taking yeah. half assed half measures because we think eventually down the road that'll work. Hey, let's do some fast forward. Let's see how Lincoln uh, saw this. Well, Lincoln, you thought that if we did half measure to get there eventually had the oh, another hundred years. Oh, another hundred years of this, at least, to get any semblance of equality. Hmm. Well, hmm. Maybe you should have held out for another couple weeks and see if you could get the racist to capitulate, you fucking asshole. <sighs> the cup of liberty, which these your old masters hold to your lips, we will dash from you and leave you the chances of gathering the spilled and scattered contents in some vague and undefined when, where, and how. Again, hundred years, you fucking cunt. If this course, discouraging and paralyzing both white and black, has any tendency to bring Louisiana into proper practical relations with the Union, I have so far been unable to perceive... Oh, my heavens, I just can't see it. I'm just dumb old Abraham Lincoln. Look at me. If, on the contrary, we recognize and sustain the new government of Louisiana, the converse of all this is made true. And, and the planters will extend the cup of freedoms to their lips. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Very, very washing the feet of the poor here. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. the vibe I'm getting. Not that they're there holding... Wash, not that wash again, the feet of the unwashed masses. Not! Again, <laughs> that's one way you could have done this analogy, Lincoln. Instead, what you're doing is you're still giving the planters all the power. You're still giving them the fuck in your analogy. When you could make any comparison you want, you still gave them all the power by giving them the cup that they have no right to and no justifiable claim to because you just beat them in a physical war for it. Plus, let's be very clear. If the planters had the cup, they're chugging that shit. Thank you! Because it's full of mojitos. And that's all they know. We encourage the hearts and nerve the arms of the 12,000 to adhere to their work and argue for it and proselyte for it and fight for it and feed it and grow it and ripen it to a complete success. 
the colored man. I always, I, I love the transition from fight for it to gardening analogies. I yeah. like fighting my zucchinis. That, yeah. That's how I No, get. I mean, if you don't, is that not how, that explains why your zucchini patch has been weak this year. If you don't punch the shit out of them, they don't come in right. They're weak. They think they can just slack off. No, you gotta, you gotta beat them. You gotta let them know. The colored man, too, in seeing all united for him, is inspired with vigilance and energy and daring to the same end. Grant that he desires the elective franchise. Will he not attain it sooner by saving the already advanced steps towards it than by running backward over them? Hey, having a stance and sticking to it and not being willing to concede points in order to win some weird compromise that you are so horny for, Lincoln, is not going backwards. You won. You're in the position of power. Use it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Grant that he desires the elective franchise, yeah, running backward, concede to the new government of Louisiana is only to what it should be as the egg is to the fowl. We shall sooner have the fowl by hatching the egg than by smashing it. That's not how this analogy works. David, read the next sentence because I can't without laughing hysterically. <laughs> the tragic death of Lincoln. <laughs> I lied. I love if I don't read it. It's funny no matter how you paint it. Has given currency to the theory that the Lincoln policy of reconstruction would have been far better and more successful than the policy after pursued. I, see, yeah, there is a good summary of everything he we've read so just far. Just gave a one sentence summary that explains 165 pages of what he wrote. <laughs> one sentence. This is like capital. This I I'm putting this in the exact same category as capital. We've, if shirts and buttons and, and no, linen no, 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 and cloth. No. Yeah. If you so here's the thing. If you're a racist, or if you're a person that just won't confront privilege and racism in general, all of this, you're required to read Lincoln, the last hundred and sixty five yeah. pages. If you have figured it out and are willing to move on, congratulations. You get to read that one sentence and then keep going from 165 onwards. It's a choose-your-own-adventure where the first sentence is, am I a racist or am I not? Uh, and, and you got to answer honestly. I'm sorry. It's choose-your-own-adventure. Don't lie. <laughs> uh, if it is meant by this that Lincoln would have more carefully followed public opinion and worked to adjust differences, this is true. Yeah, because he's an absolute chicken shit. <laughs> But Lincoln himself could not have settled the question of emancipation, Negro citizenship, and the vote without tremendous difficulty. That is being, first that of is all, being generous. Mm-hmm. First of all, he was bitterly hated by the overwhelming mass of Southerners. Mark Pomerov, a Northern Copperhead, voiced the extreme Southern opinion when he wrote. This is going to sound very much like Nancy Pelosi is a communist, by the way. Um <laughs> It is you Republicans who set up at the head of the nation and a, a hideous clown who became a shameless tyrant, a tyrant justly felled by an avenging hand who now rots in his tomb while his poisonous soul is consumed by the eternal flames of hell. I want to play a fun game where you remove all context from that quote and uh, see if you can get see if you can get a bunch of Facebook people to think that you're talking about Trump. <laughs> Because I bear, I guarantee you, if you remove the 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 rotting in a tomb part, I could I could get at least ten or twelve to bite. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, even a conservative Southern paper continually referred to Lincoln as a gorilla or a clown. Oh, they don't they don't and, save the monkey analogies for the uh, black ones. All right, they, they just bust that yeah. out whenever they want. <laughs> and when we consider the fact that Lincoln was determined upon real freedom for the Negro, upon his education, and at least a restricted right to vote, it is difficult to see how the South could have brought to agreement with him. Yeah, I mean, again, this this is the problem with, say, Democrats today. Mm -hmm. These people are running out there, hands out with like, here's a laundry list of compromises. And by the way, I'll bend over backwards if you want to compromise more from here. And every one of these shitheads is going, you motherfucking <laughs> stupid leftist extremist and how dare dare you you know and that, that's exactly what you see with the democratic and republican party and, now and what we've learned is they haven't adjusted their tactics in 200 no, years they just switched parties thanks to strom no one has um, learned a thing strom thurmond yeah yeah um in the south there was an ab absence of any leadership corresponding in breadth and courage to that of abraham lincoln that is a small breadth and yeah. there's not a lot there <laughs> that doesn't say so much about Those the are, he had a big old hat but itty bitty shoes to fill <laughs> here comes the penalty which which a land pays when it stifles free speech and free discussion and turns itself over entirely to propaganda all right now the boys i'm a little confused there that, that sentence feels a little awkward what do you what the fuck are you talking I, about? I think he's saying racist propaganda like i if, feel if slightly nobody better. Yeah, he's, he's saying, like, you know, if nobody thinks about the humanity of people and they just tell you how, like, black people are going to come and, like, you know, rape your wives and take all your money, there's going to be no leadership. So coming if all out. you do is read the New right. York Post, you're going to be convinced. OK, no, I got it. I'm, I'm following. Now. I'm good. Yeah, because the leadership is going to be some squishy blob of yay cops, but like no actual leader sticking. No, out. I've seen Bill de Blasio um, on the tracks. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Uh, it does not make any difference if at the time that things advocated are absolutely right, the nation nevertheless becomes morally emasculated and mentally hogtied and cannot evolve that healthy difference of opinion, which leads to discovery and truth under changing conditions. I have no idea what you were talking about there, boys. It There's feel, nothing he healthy feels about this a lot difference like of opinion. It's like, all right, guys, both sides, civil discourse. Let's have That's a what I'm thinking. I'm like, feels what the fuck? Like that. Don't love it. Maybe he at least thinks like generally sending multiple sides in is good and you can't you know, do that when you're talking about racism or maybe he's saying without leadership in Du Bois's defense we have a couple extra generations of seeing that proven demonstrably false before we can say it's bullshit he only saw well yeah also also in defense as he's talking about resolving a civil war also so, in defense you know. he's infinitely smarter than either of us so you know Dr. Du Bois do you yeah <laughs> But I mean, the the, the 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 both sides could very well be like, you know, yeah. hold the line and don't let them tell you that black people can't vote versus compromise and get the fucking country back in line so that black people can start surviving. Um, suppose, for instance, there had been in the South in 1863 a small but determined and clear thinking group of men who said the Negro is free and to make his freedom real, he must have land and education. He must be guided in his work and development, but guided toward freedom and the right to vote. Such complete freedom and the bestowal of suffrage must be a matter of some years. But at present, we do not propose to take advantage of this and retain political power based on the non-voting parts of our population. 
We therefore accept the constitutional amendment against slavery. We accept any other amendments which will base representation on voting or other proposals which will equalize voting power of North and South. We admit the right of the government to exercise judicious guardianship over the slaves as long as we have a reasonable voice in his guard- this guardianship and that the interests of the employer as well as the employee shall be kept in Why mind. Why does every judicious voice not know how to use periods? Why is that the hallmark <sighs> of a judicious voice? I don't know. I don't know. I also like, you know, oh, yeah, we'll let them oversee us. We'll let the big government happen. But and again, you know, this is from the Boyce's opinion, but he was pretty liberal at the time. But, it, you know, but as long as as long as the boss and the, the master. But again, no one was even this reasonable. Yeah. Um, and in anticipation of this development, we propose to pass a reasonable code of laws recognizing a new status of the Negro. Like if anyone had said that, like, hey, let them vote treat them like humans realize there's going to be you know a little bit of curve before they're educated the way we are but but it's our job to educate them and give them political power and not rob the right of vote while they're getting their feet under them and uh you know oh by the way go ahead and and come down here and enforce it just you know make sure you're standing for the bosses as much as the workers is is all he was saying and he said no one even had that stance that would have been a stance of leadership that could have resolved the problem is is that he didn't they this reasonable person did not use the word father master enough if you'd have appealed (laughs) to the father masters uh that would have i think that would have gone a long way that would have done it yeah uh If there had been in the white South at this time, far seeing leadership or even some common sense, the subsequent history of reconstruction and that of the Negro in the United States would have been profoundly changed. Suppose a single state like Louisiana had allowed the Negro to vote with a high property qualification or the ability to read and write or service in the army or all of these Charles Sumner and Thaddeus Stevens would not have been wholly satisfied but certainly their demands would have been greatly modified both of them were perfectly willing to wait for negro suffrage until the negro had education and had begun his economic advance but they did insist that he must have the chance to advance it is so bizarre that and maybe it does come up at some point in this and maybe the argument is is far more recent than i anticipated is no one asking for reparation at this like the argument that well they were no. willing to wait for them to yeah no one educated no one is and you're also hearing these things like you know if they if they're not educated they can't vote yet and you're thinking like oh my god these are jim crow tactics but this was written before jim crow laws yeah so you know this 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 stuff all sounds like a valid concern to the voice at this point and again, you know probably is a valid concern but as someone that is living through the year 2020 where uh, zimbabwe just gave like a 5.3 what billion dollar settlement to the white oh, farmers that were god uh, and this is why see and this is why mugabe was cooed in 2017 anytime you see shit like that it, it's bad news, you know, and the, the, again, you're seeing the pushback against the, the land back in South Africa, but land back happened in Zimbabwe. And now there's a there's a fucking settlement for of, of reparation to the colonizers for daring decolonize reparations. Just, <sighs> again, there are. The, so, so there was land back where the, the, the people that had their land stolen under colonization got their land back, not. With mm-hmm. reparate, but just got the land access. To no, the land. it was, and and again, you know, I mean, and, and that's not saying total sovereignty either. No. There's some amount of white wealth still in Zimbabwe. It was just, it was land redistribution to 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 put most of to put 
where the bulk of the land was in the hands of a few white colonizers, it went to the bulk of the land was rightly in the hands of the bulk of the indigenous people of Zimbabwe. And now those white colonizers are, are getting so stuck in reparations three years after Mugabe was or not, They certainly have a, a, a great influx of capital. I'm sure they'll yeah. do great things with that. Sure. That'll go real well. <laughs> There cannot be the slightest doubt that such a program would have gathered enough support in the North to have made a history of Reconstruction not easy and without difficulty, but far less difficult than it proved to be. There were in the South in 1865 men who saw this truth plainly and said so, but true effective leadership was denied them. I, I wonder why. Get <laughs> a little more, just a little more materialism to voice. You're so smart. So close. You're so smart. Harvard man. Yes. Uh, just as before the war public, the, Oh, just as before the war, <laughs> it's like the war public, uh, just as before the war, public opinion in the South was hammered into a, a idolatrous worship of slavery. So after the war, even more bitterly and, cr- and cruelly public opinion demanded a new unyielding conformity. Here was a land of poignant beauty streaked with hate and blood and shame where God had wor- was worshipped wildly, where human beings were brought, bought and sold, and where even in the 20th century men are burned alive. The situation here in 1865 was fatal and fatal because the attitude of men's minds rather than because of the material loss of, of disorganization. The human mind, its will and emotions congealed to the one set pattern until – here were people who knew they knew one thing above all others, just as certainly as they knew that the sun rose and set, and that was that a Negro would not work without com- compulsion. So, like, I mean, these people, as soon as the sun rises and sets, you know a black man won't work unless he's forced to. You know they're they're lazy and we have to hold the slave power over them and stuff like that. I mean, again, you know, obvious racism that the voice is, is calling out and the dangers of it. truth we hold self-evident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that slavery was his natural condition. If by force and law the Negro was freer, his only chance to remain free was transportation immediately to Africa or some outlying district of the world where he would soon die of starvation or disease. Such colonization was impracticable, and Southern slavery as it existed before the war was the best possible system for the Negro. And this was the vast majority of Southern's Southerners were forced to believe as firmly in 1865 as they did in 1860. And that is a very, I, I, sorry, I just, I do want to stop there because that is no, that's yeah. Again, we're, we're talking before and after the civil war. Yes. Nothing has changed about the Southern mindset. Nothing has fundamentally been shifted about the day to day belief of seeing black people join the ranks, win this war, volunteer when they were told not to um you know work in the work everything um none of that has changed because here's the deal here's the little the the dirty little secret of black people won't work unless they're forced to is not that black people won't work unless they're forced to and it's not just that that's an extremely racist stance it's that the idea of black people needing to do enough work that anyone would be compelled to be forced to is because the white people don't want to do the work at all. They're either the other white laborers who want to keep the nicer, better paying jobs, or they're the plantation owners and the slave drivers 
who want to sit around in their antebellum shit doing nothing and then call black people who are working their ass off out in the field lazy. And so, I mean, yeah, you know, that hasn't materially changed. So, of course, the attitudes haven't materially changed, even if stuff is exposed right to their faces. And stuff is going to move slowly. Things are not... um, We are, and we, we, we say it, a lot and we repeat it a lot but it's worth repeating we're materialists fundamentally that means something that means that we at least to my understanding believe that our understanding of the world is not some abstract thing it is based on our material conditions it's based on on the way we observe the world the way we interact with the world and the way the the you know inputs of the world respond to us well yeah and and we can kind of see a reflection of this Today, you know, um, obviously with the, the uprisings, there's going to be people that are, are in that squishy middle. You know, they're they're apolitical or getting thrown in their face or maybe they even do convert to, from violent racist to, you know, temperamentally liberal to, to maybe even all the way over to left. When when this stuff is is brought up and, and it's shown, you know, that lots and lots of black people have power. But the far right people, the tea partiers and Trump supporters and, and people with the snake flags, you know, that their views haven't changed about black people. You know, they're still criminals and, and they're still just trying to get off easy and commit all the crimes and loot stuff. None of that changed, you know, um, pointing out racism is just a, a sad excuse for, you know, the problems you cause because you're, you're, you know, every racist trope in the book that, that hasn't changed and that won't change just because of the uprising. The thing is, is the power you're grabbing and not specifically those racist people who won't change like the, the many, many men from the South in this case that didn't change from 1860 to 1865. It's all the people in the middle that are, are moving over and they're moving over not because you're being apologetic or careful or giving some nuanced liberal view that's against violence and for peaceful protest. They're changing because they have to, because the power is shifting and it's opening their eyes. Um, but the truly, truly racist ones, that's not going to change. They're going to react. They're going to be angry about it. They're going to grasp for any power they can get back. Cause how dare their comfort be upset, but they're going to be just as racist as before. You know they are exactly, and and more so even. It, it is it is just it's something to rem. I think it's something that I need to remind myself constantly because again mm-hmm. this is, I uh, there's a lot of change. Anyone who is in a similar position yeah. to me that is that is new quote unquote and and I am still new and I need to say that over you know I've I've been basically in this position for four years give or take, um, probably closer yeah. to three and a half and and. Uh, the, oh, and and you know, I mean, because because I was apparently the the, the well read expert when this this thing started. It seems like I've been I, I haven't been in any better position for much longer. No, but I, and yeah. I think that's a lot. There's a large group of us that are that are in that in that space, and there's probably a yeah. lot of people listening that are in that space or, or have radicalized in that period of time. And again, you, mm-hmm. you latch onto certain concepts, and and there is uh, again things that shake that. And this this is one of them. This 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 couple sentences here i think hammer this home to me so i'm going to reread them real real quick just because again that there's they jump out um yeah the situation here in 1865 was fatal and fatal because of the attitude of men's minds rather than because of material loss and disorganization the human mind its will and emotions congeal to one set pattern until here 
were people who knew they knew one thing above all others, just as certainly as they knew that the sun rose and set, and that was that a Negro would not work without compulsion and that slavery was his natural condition. Again, they saw that. They physically saw evidence of the thing they knew, fundamentally knew to be true. Not doubted, not questioned for a second, knew to be true. They saw evidence that they were wrong. Their material conditions changed and things were different. And they still couldn't get around to it. They they could not square the circle of everything they knew and a thing that that was contingent on their day-to-day lives being completely wrong. Oh, yeah, no. And it's deeply rooted and people don't don't like changing that view and again you know and where i'm talking about it today and this is the same thing with the people there no one got more racist right Uh, the people that were very very racist they've been racist that whole time they're just a little more explicit about a little more violent about a little more on edge about it because now they're defensive oh my god now now all that like oh they're taking everything away from white people and you know now that feels more real to them um, even though nothing is being taken away and they're still sitting from a position of privilege and power. Um, but, but they weren't less racist before. They're the same. And then the same thing here, you know, 1865 beliefs, they're the same as 1860. They didn't become more racist after the war. They didn't become more animus. Like how dare those black people, because they shot me at me in the civil war, they were slaves before you, you know, this is the same belief that they just need to work for compulsion. And if you set them free, you know, they're just going to die. Those poor, you know, we got to ship them off out of here to, to Panama with a hundred dollar gift card or whatever. And then they're just going to die, you know? Um, that, yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't change. It, it, it doesn't. And that's again, and, and this is the same fervent belief that every Southern person not even a planter just if you lived in the south during this time and you were Mm -hmm. any part of the majority you believed fundamentally with every part of your being as as again as du bois says the sun comes up the sun goes down that black people were not equal they were not uh, a level human and that their job was to be a servant to you yes if you think that that is an easier ideology to shake than getting people shook out of capitalism and the concept that market economies are good and everything's fine. Um, I have a distinct feeling this book is going to be a very rude awakening to you that it might take a little longer than you expect. Does that mean we mm-hmm. fight any less hard? No. No, no it means that we actually fight means harder. fight harder. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it means we fight harder and that we learn the lessons from what it took mm-hmm. to reorient, again, in this country, in this land that we occupy, that we are desperately trying to decolonize and to break of another fundamental truth mindset that it's it's held for basically its entire existence, um, yep. it will not be and, easy and, and it will not come through compromise. No, and some people still even have a certain – I mean it's translated more in a more modern way that's less tied specifically to slavery. There's still some people that, that believe that black people are inherently lazy. Otherwise, Reagan couldn't have camp- campaigned on the – you know. Cadillac driving welfare. Yeah, queen, let's, let's et leave cetera, it to Reagan and not not to uh, yep. Donald Trump and the, and his gang saying six hundred dollars a week is uh, too much money for a human being and that okay, they have to yeah. take that away for otherwise better. you don't want to get a job. Okay, yeah, better, better, more realistic, <laughs> racially coded. I just again, you know, I, no, it, it just it never it, it's never stopped. Yeah. No, no, it, it later, hasn't. Basically, it's never stopped. It hasn't, but it's you know. 
it's probably toned down from where it was in 1865. It's not every person now. It's, you know, a very, very niche political persuasion that we think of as half the country, but is really only about a quarter of the country. Um, but they're half of the half that actually votes. Um, and, you know, voter suppression being what it is, electoralism solving as little as it does, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, very ingrained belief. And so you're going to see how little that changes, how hard of a change it is. And again, this, this belief has changed since then. But look how many years it's taken and look how little it changes without a complete change in power, which drive home drives home both how important it is for us to fight specifically along racial lines, along decolonial lines and, and for colonized people uh, for the, the socialist revolutions and for socialism to happen in this country. And of course there's other pieces of evidence. Look how, how closely tied socialism was with black liberation throughout the 20th century and, and how, you know, McCarthyism was, was racially coded and that, you know, comes down on it. Uh, But also conversely, how much it is going to have to be a fight for socialism, you know, to, to undo racism, because with those power structures inherent and in place, look how many of these beliefs aren't shaken and look how closely tied those beliefs are with people who support those with lots of capital, people who support the state being more explicitly a tool of the bourgeoisie, not even fooling around pretending to be a tool of the people. And that... (laughs) On that bombshell, no, no, not invoking the bad British show, no. <laughs> but uh, on that one, uh, this is uh, this has been Mark's madness. Um, yeah, th- th- this has been a this has been one of those rage-inducing episodes. Um, sometimes they're fun and jaunty, and we get fun characters that want to want to pop their head in. Um, sure, and sometimes they just make me very sad, uh, and uh, and upset and. Uh, and and uh, the fact that I keep coming back here is a testament to uh, all of you who are listening. Because uh, if if no one was listening to this, I would have given up a long time ago. Because this is hard and painful, and uh, very few people want to intentionally inflict pain on themselves. Uh, certainly not me. So that being said, if you would like to uh, uh, raise your hand and point me in a direction that will cause me more pain, feel free to email that to me. You can email that to me at well, not at because you don't put an at in front of an email address because that's not how this works. <laughs> Um, but you could maybe they can email you that correction. Yeah, yeah. All right, you can email me at twitter.com at marks madness. Pod. No, it's marks madness pod at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, feel free to mm-hmm. feel free to drop us a line there. Any corrections, any comments, any anything you want to know about? Um, again, the world is crazy. We will get back to you as soon as we possibly can. I promise. Every everything you guys send us, we we sincerely appreciate and we'll do our best to respond to in a timely manner. Um, on Twitter. It's at Mark's Madness Pod. You seeing a trend? We continue that. We we keep it we keep it consistent mm-hmm. for you. Uh, but at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter, uh, DMs are open. You can you can pop whatever you'd like in there. Um, again, uh, second week it's, it's aging a little bit, but I'm sure we've still picked up one or two. Thank you, uh, uh, Apartheid Emerald Doctor Robotnik, for for the influx of DMs <laughs> we got last week for people uh, talking about uh, Capital, um, who learned about it for the first time from that goddamn Bolivian coup loving son of a bitch. Um. Last but not least, if you'd like to uh, jump in a place where there's just a bunch of other comrades and you don't have to deal with the bullshit of Twitter and mm-hmm. the random ads that get dropped in there, and you just want to talk to some people that sympathize and maybe you want to play a D and D game or, or you know hang out. Uh, you know we're doing that over in Discord, and uh, the Discord that we are lucky enough to live in is the Dumb and Awful Discord. 
um, which you can find a link to in our Twitter bio. If you don't have that, email us and we will absolutely send you the link. And now uh, you can hang out with some cool people that are just, you know, comrades, chilling, having fun, supporting people. There's some, and, and, everyone's going through some rough stuff right now, and there is nothing like having a support network there for you if you need it. And by us, uh, Nathan means Nathan's yeah, in the Discord. I I, I, yeah, yeah, that's just me now. Um, it's just me. It's just me. If you, if you want to get a hold, could. if you want to get a hold of David, send him a carrier pigeon or email, Twitter DM <laughs> or Discord me, and then I will tell David it's for him. Um, just put in the for- headline David because you don't want to hear my bullshit. Because why would you? Um, and then I'll make or sure a message in a bottle. Or a message in a bottle. See. That's another yeah. good way to do it. Or just yeah. show up somewhere in Missouri. Uh, aim for the center. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be there. And then just start yeah, wandering yeah. and yelling something about the Packers, and eventually David <laughs> will find you. It's, it's it'll take a while, but you'll you'll link up eventually, and it'll work out. <laughs> that being said, uh, uh, <laughs> this has been Mark's Madness once again. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to y'all next week. <laughs>